Well, good morning, and welcome to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. It is good to gather with you all on this beautiful Sunday, this fifth Sunday. I should say, often we've done a fifth Sunday luncheon after worship on fifth Sundays. We're not this um, particular month. You may have seen that in the bulletin a few weeks ago, but we're actually not uh, because we'll have our harvest brunch the last Sunday in October and be able to have a big old meal together on that last Sunday in October. So nothing... um, as far as the lunch goes after this particular service, certainly our reception afterwards, as always. Grateful to be with you and grateful for Carson Ryan, who is leading in liturgy alongside me today. Uh, before we get going any further, I would invite you to stand wherever you are and, and greet some of the folks uh, around you. invite you to begin finding your seats again, and together we'll prepare our hearts and minds to worship the living God. Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, welcome this day to worship. May our worship be one of praise and adoration and giving glory to God Almighty. Let us call ourselves to worship as we stand and begin with our call to worship. Trust in the Lord at all times, O people. God is a refuge for us. God is our rock and our salvation. We shall not be shaken. God is good, and in God's work we find our strength. We sing of all God's wonderful works. We give thanks and praise to the Lord. Once, <clears throat> once again, welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 96th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant. Today's date is September 29, 2019, and today's broadcast is number 4,961. The Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled Home Inspection, will be delivered by Reverend Dr. Holm Lippert. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our director of music and organist, the Chancel Choir, and H. Carson Ryan, Jr., former Executive Presbyter of the Presbytery of the James. Our church is handicapped accessible with an elevator, wheelchairs, hearing assistance, and large print bulletins and hymnals. Child care is provided for infants, toddlers, and kindergartners. Worship kits are available for older children at the entrance to the sanctuary. Our opening hymn is, We Praise You, O God, which is printed in the bulletin. As the hymn declares, when perils overtake us, God will not forsake us. That is the promise and that is the truth for us. If we're willing to be honest and admit our sin before God, God is more than ready to help us be made whole and made new again. So I invite you to claim that promise that is ours as we pray with one another the prayer of confession that you find in your bulletin this morning. Let us pray. Gracious God, you call us to be your voices in this world, and we stay silent. You call us to be your hands in this world, and we keep them hidden. You call us to be your feet in this world, and we go our own way. We are quick to confess our allegiance, slow to enact your love through our lives. Forgive us and rebuild us, that with our voices, hands, and feet, we might clearly declare the truth and beauty of your kingdom. Amen. Hear the good news, and then in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. We no longer have an excuse, because God has made real what God said God would do, and forgive us of all our sins. So take your hands and your voices and your feet, and give praise and adoration to the God who has forgiven us, for we are redeemed. 
To God be the glory. Amen. seated and at this time we have Reverend Nelson and Mrs. Jess Reevely coming to the front side door here and children second grade or younger are welcome to join them up there and head out for Children's Chapel. made flesh in Jesus Christ your word changes our hearts your word gives us new life so open us O God this day and illuminate our minds and hearts that we can hear and meet your word through Christ our Lord amen the Old Testament lesson is from the book of Deuteronomy the 11th chapter beginning with verse 18 one of the important parts of the Jewish tradition is called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The passage I'm about to read talks about these words, though it doesn't quote them directly. So now listen for God's word in Deuteronomy 11. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors." as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue this fall looking at the Gospel of Matthew. We started a few weeks ago and saw Jesus baptized in chapter 3. Chapter 4, we saw Jesus call his first disciples, students, to, to follow me. Chapter 5, we started into the Sermon on the Mount and, and some of Jesus' most well-known teachings about what it is to follow Jesus. Chapter 6, last week, we looked at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, the very center section, the Lord's Prayer. 
And today we reach chapter 7, and the portion we're going to read from chapter 7 is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, the very culmination, the space where Jesus decides to wrap this up, this his most central teaching. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we moved to Richmond and we were looking for a house, we quickly discovered how hot the housing market was. A handful of houses we were interested in and just the surrounding neighborhoods went off the market in just a few days' time. We lost out on one we, we, we loved. There were multiple bids. All that happened in one day, and, and, it, and it went to somebody else. So when the house we now live in came on the market, and we had a sense that it could be a great fit on a number of fronts, we quickly moved along with a host of other bidders, and actually we, we sweetened the offer by saying we would forgo the home inspection as part of the buying process. Well, we got the house, and we eventually did our own home inspection. It turned out all was in order. But it took us about a year before we got up the wherewithal to tell all of uh, both sets of our, our parents about that aspect of the home buying process. And I know some of you with adult children have told me how it's always a dance with how you're sometimes involved with uh, your adult child's life. You want to be involved, be present. Even offer wisdom and advice from time to time where you see it might be especially helpful, needful. But you also want to respect their space, their life, their decisions. There's this line you talk about sometimes navigating. And I can just remember when our folks found out about foregoing the home inspection during the buying process. Parents on both sides of the family went into full parental mode They care not for the line at all. Never forgo the home inspection. That's crazy. Very true. They were right. Who would live in a house without first inspecting the foundation? It's a question Jesus is pressing us to consider this morning when he points out that all of us actually are currently in the home building process. Consciously or unconsciously, all of us are building a life. All of us are building a family. All of us are building a church. And some of us are like one kind of person who builds on a rock, and some of us are like the other one who builds on sand, but we're all building. And the thing is, not only are both people busy building day by day, but when the sun is out like it is this morning and it's shining beautifully, both houses may look Very much alike. A friendly, pleasant entrance, thoughtful decor, warm ambiance, lovely finishes. When things are well, how many are the people who are friendly and pleasant, thoughtful, warm, and lovely? 
Jesus is clear that the real character of a house will be known when the rains fall and when the floods come and when the winds beat mercilessly. And notice Jesus does not say, if the rains come and the floods come and the rain, winds come. Jesus assumes, along with really the rest of the witness of Scripture, that if you are alive and you are on this earth, then rains and floods and winds will be known. And each of those is not just some kind of minor inconvenience or even a particularly difficult situation. Each of those are forces that threaten the very stability and foundation of a person, of a church. Jesus is is speaking about our homes being hit with the kind of forces that are beyond our ability to just control or maneuver or fix. And as we've seen again around the world, it is incredibly terrifying to have those kind of forces befall a people. It's worth noting for a moment the promise Jesus makes for those whose house is built on rock is that through the terrifying storm, the house stands. Which is to say the promise Jesus has is not once one makes it through the the rains of divorce or the floods of bankruptcy or the winds of searing tragedy or, or heartache or famine or war that then the faithful house grows. The faithful house becomes bigger and stronger and more luminous having made it through the storm. Sometimes I think we start to think that if we walk by faith, then, then, then our gracious God will eventually start to bless us in abundance for our faithfulness. Maybe. Maybe not. For Jesus, right here, the, the promise to the faithful is simply that the house still stands. And that in and of itself is a great and worthy thing. And honestly, if you have known the ferocity and intensity of an impossible storm far beyond your control, if you've known that in your own life, then you probably well know that if the house is simply still standing, that really is a profound gift. Jesus is abundantly clear about how to go about being a well-foundationed person, a well-foundationed church everyone who then hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built on rock everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built on sand those who act on these words of mine referencing in a specific way the sermon on the mount but certainly all of jesus's words Admittedly, I think there's something deep within our Protestant DNA that at some level resists this, this notion that one, all one needs to do is act or do Jesus' words. We hold near and dear that we are saved by grace alone, not by good works, not by good actions. Very true. But faith and works are nevertheless intimately and inseparably bound. The book of James, you may recall, puts it this way. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. Works are the visible expression of a genuine faith. They go hand in hand. Or again, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great 20th century theologian from Germany, in in his cost of discipleship, he really presses the implications of Jesus' words and James' words when he writes, For faith is only real when there's obedience. Action. And faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. Hear that last line again. Faith only becomes faith in the act 
of obedience. Not only are faith and works intimately bound together, he asserts that, that somehow it's only in leaning forward in obedience that, that this, this kernel of faith, this gift of faith, actually finds itself brought into vitality and form. It reminds me of a portion of Annie Dillard's book, The Writing Life, which, as you might expect from that title, it's a book about the writing process. And at one point, she writes about how one learns to write. And, and some of you heard a little bit of this in Sunday school last week. Who will teach me to write? A reader wanted to know. And one can imagine Annie Dillard responding to her own self-prompted reflection with something like, who will teach you to write? Attend writing conferences at these notable schools and notable conferences. Study the great writers. Study with them. Listen to them read their works. Dillard's response to who will teach me to write? The page. The page. The blankness of eternity on which you cover slowly the page, which you cover woodenly, ruining it but asserting your freedom and power to act. Acknowledging that you ruin everything you touch, but touching it nevertheless, because acting is better than being here in mere opacity. The page will teach you to write. The way you learn to write is to write. To act is better than being here in mere opacity. Lack of clarity. It's a similar wisdom with many endeavors. You can only study cooking so long before you realize that to learn to cook, you must, however imperfectly, cook. To learn to paint, paint. To drive, drive. And to know a living, growing, vital, foundationed faith in Jesus, follow Jesus. Do his word the things he's taught, fully acknowledging that you ruin everything you touch, but touching it nevertheless, as Dillard puts it. For always we do. We step forward imperfectly. We step forward as sinners. We step forward with our doubts, our confusions. We step forward seeing through a glass darkly. But fundamentally, the wise builder steps In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has taught some of the most prominent action items into which we step. Some of them, the action items that go into building a house on rock. Love your enemies. Give without regard to whether or not anyone sees or knows. Reconcile with those who have something against you. Don't store up treasures on earth that moss and rust destroy, but but treasures in heaven. Do not worry. Consider the lilies, consider the birds. Seek first the kingdom of God. Deal with the plank in your own eye before you deal with the speck in the others. And then Jesus ends this sermon full of such teachings, such doings, not with a direct call to action, not with a three-step plan for implementing each action according to priority. Instead, he goes with this story about two men and their two houses upon two foundations. And I think he ends the the sermon with this image because that really is the last image he wants to leave the hearers with. He wants us to consider the two houses and the two foundations. More specifically, he wants us to recognize we are all building houses 
and we would be wise to consider which of the foundations we are building upon. What would we see if we actually peered into the foundation of our lives, of our church? Now that may seem like trying or scary or difficult work at some level, and and yet I think we also all readily intuit, you never forego the home inspection. That would be crazy. Is there anything more potentially costly than building a house and never considering the foundation? So what would it look like to do a fresh home inspection this week? to slowly pour over the words of the Sermon on the Mount in in the coming week and and prayerfully consider the ways Jesus' words are finding reflection in our lives, our actions, our churches. Or, Or confessing the ways they're not finding expression and asking God's courage to step into those expressions, however imperfectly. And then I think any faithful home inspection always is giving thanks throughout because Jesus does promise in the gospel of John my father is always at work God is always measuring and hammering and building faithfully alongside us by grace even through us and despite us he cannot help but be faithful can you imagine the strength of a people a church who regularly did home inspections? Can you imagine a church where where the people were acting routinely upon love your enemy, reconcile, do not worry, seek first the things of God's kingdom. Jesus has a phrase to describe a church filled with lots of houses clustered together and situated upon just such a foundation. Earlier in his Sermon on the Mount, he calls that church a city on a hill. fortified by the resurrection power and grace of Jesus Christ. May we stand as such. Amen. In response to God's word, let us stand together singing how firm a foundation listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled Home Inspection, which was delivered by Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert. Congregation will now join in singing How Firm a Foundation, which is number 361 in the Presbyterian Hymnal.
confessions for us is a way in, for us to express the foundations upon which we stand as God's people. So I invite you to join with me in making a declaration of our foundation by using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Most of us in our lives like to have things pretty stable and consistent, sometimes boring and normal. This past week has been anything but consistent in our country and has affected the prayer this morning that I will offer, asking for God's wisdom for leadership in this country as we look to the future and whatever that might mean. I'd also invite you to look at the very last page of your bulletin about people in the church and their particular concerns that we might include them as we pray together. Join with me in our prayer. Eternal God, we are grateful that you are the firm foundation. And upon that foundation, we need not worry, we need not despair, we need not look other directions. But we're grateful that we can stand on that foundation and because of your faith and love for us, because of your son Jesus Christ giving us life, even life eternal, we have no reason to worry or be fearful of anything. So because of that foundation, oh God, we pray for our country. We pray for these difficult times that we find ourselves going through. And we ask simply that you give wisdom and insight to the leadership in this country, that they might look to see what the truth is and to deal with that truth so that we might become more unified as a nation and might be able to serve you more faithfully and to serve you more diligently. Prayers with all of our leaders this week as they continue the episodes of what may come next. But remind us again, O oh God, that regardless of what comes next, regardless of the weeks and months ahead, you are there and you will walk with us and you will give us faithful counsel and guidance. Praise and honor and glory to you. Our foundation also, God, helps us to be there for one another in this congregation. For those in this church that find themselves in grief, for those in themselves, folks in this church who find themselves in sickness, for those who have questions about their future and direction, for those that are seeking wisdom in your guidance and leadership, O oh God, give all of us that same kind of wisdom that we can do what is in accord with your will, what gives you praise and glory, what allows you to be Lord and Savior. Be with this world that you created, O oh God, in all the difficult spots and places and locations, 
all the decisions being made around the world and the turmoil that continues. Be with those people who are looking for a home, who have been displaced from where they used to live, and give them your sense of peace that they may truly find a new home. But we also, God, pray for ourselves. We pray for ourselves in terms of issues within our own souls and bodies. We pray for ourselves in terms of the faith struggles that we may have. We pray for ourselves because relationships have not been the best. We pray for ourselves that we might be more faithful, that we might do more home inspections and might on a regular basis seek your will and guidance. Give us that gift that you give on a regular basis so that we might be faithful, diligent, and disciples of Christ. Hear our prayers, including those that are too deep for words, those that cause us great heartache, those that just confuse us of what we're supposed to do, so that through your spirit, we might indeed be your faithful disciples. For our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us that when we pray with one another, we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, so we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In response to God's grace, God's faithfulness, uh, we offer our lives. We offer our lives in a host of ways, in, in discipleship and mission and fellowship. Uh, some of those offerings are here in the bulletin, and I'll just remind you of, of a handful. Men, the, the 86th annual Men's Oyster Roast is happening the third uh, weekend in October, October 19th, and you can begin RSVPing. Details are in there. Also going on on that uh, third weekend in October is uh, Shalom Farms, and again, you all can see details about our last farm outing of 2019 in your bulletin. And then also, again, going on that third weekend in October, on October 20th, Sunday after worship in the afternoon, there's a, uh, a crop hunger walk at 2 o'clock on the north side. There's even a Grace Covenant team you can be part of if you'd like to join in that walk. Details are in your bulletin. I'll also underscore uh, under our uh, mission section that both uh, Jobs for Life and Souls for Souls have unique opportunities to jump in and be the hands and feet and, and voice of, of Jesus in this community, and you can read those details there. Finally, a reminder, uh, this today, this Sunday, we, we were back to sort of our normal Sunday school schedule. Uh, grateful that we have the Forum of Grace classroom up and going, and Ann Randolph-Reevely is teaching uh, on the parable of the soils, so you can be part of that Sunday to Sunday at 9.30. Uh, the Vanguard class, the men's class, is, is meeting and considering the book of Matthew in conjunction with uh, the sermon series, and I'm um, grateful that a number of you actually are in uh, Carson Ryan's current worship formation and liturgy leadership class for these, these three Sundays, and I heard that kicked off very well today. Grateful for that, 
and, and grateful we have this space to continue in worship. You're invited to discern how God is calling you to give an offer of your lives as the offering plates come around. A reminder, you have your communication cards and, and do, um, do let us know you're here and, and certainly if there are prayers of petition or prayers of praise in your heart that you would want to share in that as well.
Most gracious God, we give thanks that in you we have a home. For this abundant grace, we offer our gratitude, our thanks. These are tithes, our offerings, they are expressions of our thanks. And we pray you would use whatever is here in ways that might further equip your saints to take courageous, faithful steps that show forth your light and love in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. that you are invited as always to the social room for refreshments immediately after worship just down the hallway in this direction at the end of the sermon on the mount jesus leaves us with this image of two houses built upon two 
foundations. It's an invitation to a home inspection. What would it look like to inspect our lives and our church in light of the Sermon on the Mount? Open ourselves unto confession, open ourselves to prayer and asking for courage to step, and opening ourselves always to a newfound gratitude that despite our imperfect building, God is always at work. God is always faithful. As you step forward, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit hold you, keep you, fortify you, now and forever. Amen.
past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. You're also welcome to join us each Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. for Wednesday night supper. Your announcer today has been John Harris and the engineer was Steve Kemp. This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES, 590 on your AM dial and 97.7 on your FM dial.